Welcome to A Walk In My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, Makini Smith. Hey, Face Walkers. Thank you for joining us on the A Walk In My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but as a mindset coach, what inspires me most is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today, we have Kalila Wright. She's an entrepreneur and the CEO of Mess in a Bottle, teas with empowering messages packaged in reusable bottles that give a voice to the voiceless. She's had major celebrities such as Lovey Ajayi of Awesomely Lovey, uh, Lena Waithe, of Netflix, Dear White People, Yvonne Orji of HBO's Insecure, Angela Yee of Power uh, 105.1 on The Breakfast Club, Serena Williams, and even Beyonce stylist Tyrone have all been proud supporters of the brand. Khalil has been featured on Teen Vogue, Essence, and more. So please welcome to the show, Kalila. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on to share your story with us. It's an honor. Thanks again for having me. I am I love podcasts like this because I think that people are really, you know, intrigued and, you know, they want to know about the journey. So I think this is really good. Thank you. Thank you. A reason why I wanted to do a podcast like this is, you know, social media shows you, you know, the glitz and the glamour and, and a lot of people's highlights. And I'm one of those people that I love to share the journey in itself. You know, I like to let people know about the pitfalls. I like to let people know that there are adversities, but you still push past them. And my show is all about that. So women like yourself who openly share, yes, you know, you've reached and you're still trying to attain certain levels of success, but you've had your adversities along the way and you still push through. So I've watched you share many parts of your journey and I love your openness. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I think that in a day and age right now where sometimes on social media, we're seeing a lot of filtered, uh, you know, we're seeing filtered people not even just filtered images, um, it's filtered people where a lot of people are not being um, as forthcoming about their journey and, you know, what they're going through. Mm -hmm. So what I love to start the show with is an icebreaker question, because I feel like as women, we have all these different titles that we go by, but a title that I feel that we are called so many times a day that we disregard is our name, because our names have meaning. My question to you, Kalila, is do you know what your name means? I do. Um, so, well, the Arabic meaning of Kalila, it's the woman's, you know, it's the feminine version of Khalil. And it means like friend. That's more or less the definition. It means like friend. I love it. I love it. So every time somebody calls your name, they're basically declaring that you're a friend. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. So I want to go to the very beginning. Like, what did you want to be when you're a little girl? Because I knew that you were born in Jamaica and then moved to the U.S., but like, what did you want to be when you were little? Um, when I was little, I really wanted to be an architect. Mm. I think, you know, from as far back as I can remember, it was just this profession. Like, I, I loved art, and I loved, um, and I gained to love architecture. 
I think that I loved art and fashion. Those were like my things. Like I used to cut up skirts and, you know, I think I thought I was probably going to be a fashion designer. And then that transitioned into architecture. So, you know, I really just love, I was always a creative. I was the girl with the pencil in the back, sketching and drawing through school. And I think that through the years, it just really transitioned to the technical side of things. And that's when architecture came into play. Okay. So what inspired you to start Mess in a Bottle? Like share with us like the whole backstory of how that started. I live in Baltimore, Maryland, and I was an architect for Under Armour. And while I was at Under Armour, you know, it was one of those things where I didn't know I was an entrepreneur. I thought I just loved design and I was just like a super creative. And um, in 2015, while at Under Armour, uh, the Freddie Gray riots happened. Freddie Gray is an African-American young man uh, who died while in police custody. And they had riots in Baltimore that really sparked due to his death. And at the time, I was one of the few, or if not one of the only, Um, African-American women in my department, and it really felt like a lot of people were tiptoeing around this race conversation. And I decided to create Mess in a Bottle as a form of communication for people to really be able to have the conversation around race without it being offensive. And so Mess in a Bottle, um, I created these messages where you could either stand in solidarity with someone, or even if you didn't agree with the message, it was one of those things that would um, create conversation. Mm, I love that. I love that. So how did it evolve to where it is today? Like, what do you think was, you know, your, your kickoff point? Well, so I left my full-time nine-to-five job at Under Armour a month after I launched the company. I just really wanted to focus on Mess in a Bottle, and I knew that um, I really had something good. And uh, I just told myself that I had one year to either really make this thing make me money and sustain a living, or um, I had to go back to doing architecture. So I focused on Mess in a Bottle, and, you know, for the whole year, I did a lot of just networking, going to conferences, making sure people knew who I was. Um, what the business was, you know, um, and I think that was, and I shared my story, I shared the journey, and um, and I continue to be transparent on social media, talking about my business, uh, sharing any trials and tribulations that I might be going through, Um, and I think all of those things have really, I fostered a relationship with my audience, and it allowed us to grow, and, you know, I think that when I win, the people in my tribe, they win as well. So I've created this community where people are wholeheartedly cheering for me and they're excited when I win. So I think Mess in a Bottle, and they were excited to wear the messages. So it came from a lot of my supporters, fans, you know, everything that every time I might have had an opportunity, it really came from people who supported me, who are like, hey, apply for this. Hey, did you see this application? And, you know, and, and they were the ones who made sure that my name was in the room. Um, wow. So that is how I think Mess in a Bottle really spread like wildfire. And I had a good idea 
you know, I also say that I think I had good products with a great idea. So though, you know, people pushed me along, I think that people have to also understand that you have to have really great products that someone will follow. And so if people won't follow it, if people don't think that it's good, then it's even no matter who you are, you know, I've seen celebrities and people with very, you know, high traction and following try to launch something that wasn't as successful. And I, I think that the thing is that if you, you have to have good products. I agree with you. And I, I definitely believe that having a good product matters. But I think what resonates with me with your brand is how you share your story. You yeah. share the good, the bad, the ugly. You share, you know, your moments with your son. You share the tribulations of the business. You share when you're tired. You share your wins. It's you have created this community of people that are excited to see you win because we feel like we're winning too. Because you, it's not like you know, you're keeping all of your business to yourself and then all of a sudden, hey guys, yeah, I just got this great deal. There's a celebrity wearing my stuff, and we don't know what you had to go through to get to that, that point. You know what I mean? Right. I recall a post a while back on Facebook where you shared when you were robbed at gunpoint and the emotion in that post in itself like how did you recover from that to rebuild your business um I mean it it took some time to get through the robbery but I think what I've realized you know now maybe a year and a half after the incident I realized that the robbery was something that is an obstacle it's something that someone can go through it could be a death in their family it could be a stroke it could be you know any type of health concern so Things are going to happen. Obstacles are going to happen. You know, unfortunately, the robbery was my obstacle. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that I asked for. It wasn't something that I wanted. But it was something that became a part of my story. And it also was something that, like, now I have to, like, go through. So once I realized that and kind of healed from the trauma of the event, um, I also took some time to reflect. So I went running a lot and I decided to run the New York Marathon as a form of getting through the robbery mm. as well. Um, and I also just realized that it is a part of my journey and it is a part of my story. It's not something that I asked for, but it happened. So I think at one point, you know, I felt a little guilt and maybe talking about it. Like I didn't want to feel like, oh, did I get pushed further because of this horrible incident that happened? But I realized that, you know, people, when you realize like your purpose as well as you realize what it is to share that a lot of people they found the good and saying wow if she can get over something like that if she could get through something like that I definitely can do the same you know no matter what my issues are so I think that those are the kind of things that have helped to push messing about all along. I love how, you know, you continue to share your story and it, and it opens doors for you. And I think that that's something that the, the listeners should definitely take away from that because many people feel like, you know, they keep their story to themselves. And I understand that all of us, our story may be about us, but it isn't only for us. And we all have struggles. It's how we get through it. So watching you evolve and grow past that has been beautiful. I, I want to ask you, like, how do you balance you know, being a mom and building this brand and this business and, you know, sharing all the social media platforms and doing all that you do. Like, how do you balance all that? I try to forgive myself every day. Um, I haven't been doing the greatest job at it recently, but every day I try to like, you have to realize it's a new slate. 
you know, if you're fortunate enough to wake up to live a new day, you know, I try to tell myself, all right, that diet I wanted to start that I wasn't on yesterday, you have the opportunity to try again today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, something like for myself where I'm like, okay, I may not have ate the best yesterday. That might not have been, you know, and maybe you wake up in the morning and you still don't do, you know, have to make the right choice. It's like, all right, start over at noon. Start over at lunchtime. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, go to the gym. And I think that that's the thing. Like, I started this morning, and I was like, Lord, I need to get in the gym. I'm not focused. I'm not, you know, I'm not balanced. And so then I said, oh, but I started the morning off by eating, like, a ton of granola. And that was definitely not in my diet plan. And so what I said to myself was, all right, you got lunchtime. Make some salmon. Eat some Brussels sprouts eat healthy for the rest of the day and go to the gym today work Mm -hmm. off you know so I think it's really about forgiving yourself and knowing no one's perfect everyone's going to make mistakes but I think what is what becomes our problem is if we just continue in it Mm -hmm. and not solve it so I think forgiving myself every day is just something you know that I try my best to do and then I try to fix it you know, you can't continue making the same mistakes and not fixing what the issue is and then expect different results. Exactly. Well, that's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Right. So what what inspires you the most about what you do? I think what inspires me the most, um, you know, it's always funny because I think most of the time people are like, oh, my parents or, oh, my child or my spouse. But I don't think either one of those things for me, I think what, well, kind of my, you know, but I think what inspires me the most is the fact that I can be the change within my, like, family lineage, Mm. like, in Mm. the sense of, like, I could become you know, the person that changes the generational wealth of what my family, you know, can acquire. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my parents are immigrants. I'm an immigrant of Jamaica. You know, my parents do not have a college education. They both have high school educations. And, um, you know, they came to this country. They've been conditioned to working nine to five jobs. You know, that has been like the traditional like immigrant kind of story. And I think that now I have the opportunity where I have a master's degree. I also, you know, I have my own business. I'm being featured on television. So I think that what drives me is the fact that I can be the change where like my children's children can really like own their own company, you know, and my son hopefully will go off to possibly if, if he desires to be an entrepreneur. So I think that for me, that is what drives me in knowing that I could be that change for my family. I think that's big. Like, you know, a lot of people who are going after things like depend, you know, everyone's driven by different things. And some people are driven by eagles things or themselves. But for you, it's greater than you. You know, it's about breaking those generational curses. It's about leaving legacy. I love that. I love that. So what advice would you give to a woman who's just starting to pursue her passion? The advice I would give is taste yourself, you know, and that's not an advice I take. And maybe this is me talking to myself, Mm -hmm. um, but definitely pace yourself, Uh, pace yourself and not being too hard on yourself. Like in regards to, I think as women, especially black women, I think we put a lot of pressure, you know, we have, we're juggling so much family. And I think that pacing yourself and kind of forgiving yourself for 
maybe like not moving as fast or it's gonna it takes time and I think that's the hard thing about entrepreneurship we all want like the end result first Mm -hmm. (laughs) we all don't want to I'm reading a book it's called the messy middle we don't want the messy middle and the book itself talks about like most of the time people remember the beginning and they remember the end they don't talk about the middle but the middle is the journey so I would definitely say to anyone getting started that they should pace themselves through this because it's going to take time. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be hurdles you have to jump over. There's obstacles. So it's not just an easy task where it's like, okay, I'm done. And, you know, and now you have this beautiful, pretty business wrapped up in a bow. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to the next question I want to ask you, like, because I follow you, I've seen the different adversities that you share. But for someone who who is new to your journey, like what other adversities have you had to experience to get to where you are? Um, I think just the transition of going from, you know, I, I'm great at conceptualizing ideas, but now I'm transitioning it transitioning into a business owner and that's not an easy thing to do you know like I didn't I wasn't trained in business so you know me now learning all of these business terms and just trying to figure out how to really transition into a business is difficult it's difficult on a day-to-day just you know building something from the ground up um, and kind of keeping motivated Um, you know all of those things play a factor. Have you had any coaches or mentors that have helped you along the way? I've had several mentors and coaches. I have one young lady. Her name is Tanya, and she's super amazing, and she helps me strategize as well as sometimes I have bigger people like Pazoma St. John, and I, I have several different people who I consult and speak with, and, you know, and they help to guide me, just in, especially in the business realm of things. Good, good. I think that's so important. I think we all need mentorship in different areas, in different forms of our lives. And I've heard, well, there's a group that actually we're we're both in that group on Facebook. I won't name the group, but I used to enjoy that group. And I seen a post one time where they were basically, I'm going to say trashing the whole personal development process and saying that, you know, it doesn't bring you any money to your business, which I disagree with. So when I see women like yourself building and you acknowledge that it's, you know, mentors that have helped you in some way, shape or form to get to where you are, I think that's important for people to understand. Like we can be in business for ourselves, but we can't do it alone. We do need help and assistance and encouragement and people that have been where we're trying to go to help guide us. Right. No, I totally agree. So you mentioned after the robbery that you decided to start running and doing things like that. Like, what are some other things that you do? Like, what does your self-care routine look like? Um, I'm not one that has like this big, you know, I won't make up this elaborate, like, you know, I'm not one that has that, but I'm a person, I love architecture. So, you know, it could be something like taking a weekend and really sitting quiet in a space and just you know, trying to flush out some ideas, trying to write some things down, um, you know, renting an Airbnb and doing a staycation. You know, it could be as simple as getting my a manicure and a pedicure yesterday or getting a massage. You know, I think, and going to therapy. I'm a big advocate of going to therapy. Mm-hmm. I think that having a trained professional to be able to, like, talk about how you feel, what you feel, what you might be going through, like, those are all things that I definitely don't take for granted. 
um, those are things that I, you know, um, implement into my self-care. I think it's interesting how, you know, you started answering the question by saying, you you know, you're not really, you know, big on elaborate things, but you have some really significant things in place, like your staycations, that's, you know, your rest and, and getting away, your meditation, which is important, massages, therapy, which is a big one, and mani pedis. Those are all great self-care regimens. So don't downplay right. that. <laughs> you're right, you're right. <laughs> I came across this Reader's Digest article a while back that said that a person's favorite type of shoe says a lot about their personality. And so far, it's been pretty on point. And I mean, it's no secret that I'm obsessed with stilettos, hence the name of the brand. But my question to you, Kalila, is what is your favorite type of shoe? Is it a boot, a running shoe, a walking shoe, flip-flops, stilettos, pumps, flats? What's your favorite? Uh Well, right now, I'm definitely a big fan of, like, a not-so-high a not so high heel. Um, I definitely love a not-so-high heel, and I've been really experimenting with this socks and shoe kind of vibe, and it's been really cute. So I would just say I'm not into high heels. I'm not into uncomfortable shoes. <laughs> like, none of those things to me. And I am a big fan of sneakers right now. Like, give me a pair of really old Converse's and I think that's probably my favorite kind of shoe is like a really worn Converse. Yeah, I think it just says a lot about the character of that person. Okay. They say sneaker buffs get along with everyone. You're someone who relates to people much younger than you, yet also feels comfortable conversing with someone much older. Sometimes you're an old soul and sometimes you're the life of the party. For sneaker bus, age truly is but a number because you get along with everyone. The sneaker is very versatile, very open person willing to explore a lot of options and different ideas. They're energetic and ageless. They're really not young or old. They seem to move fluidly through age-specific groups. I love it. Okay. Does that sound like you? It's definitely me. (laughs) Okay, so before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online. You can stay connected with me at messinabottle.com um, on IG. We're also messinabottle. Also um, on Instagram, I am owner of mess. Love it. Okay, so for the final segment of the show, sometimes I call it a walk in her stiletto, sometimes I call it a walk in her wisdom. I can't quite figure out which I want to call it yet, but today we're going to call it a walk in her sneakers. <laughs> So I'm just going to ask you a couple of reflection questions and you say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. The 12 week year. Hmm. Okay. Can I ask why? Uh, yeah. 12 week year. It's a book that kind of helps you to organize your thoughts, get some things done. So it's allowing you to really not sit in your confused state pushing you to gain a rhythm and just to figure things out and get things done. Yeah. And I think it's a great book for people like me with who are designers, who have a lot of thought and, you know, so it's been helpful in strategizing better. Mm, Love it. I'm going to have to add that to my reading list. Okay. What failure has taught you the most about life? I think my son having issues with reading in school he's just at that age where he's still learning so 
not as much a failure, but I think that it's one of those things where it's taught me to be patient with mm-hmm. the process. You know, it's difficult, especially with children, but I think that that's one of the jobs that I'm most hardest on myself about. Like, I don't care. Of course, I care about the business, but I don't care if the business doesn't succeed. I care more if my son doesn't mm-hmm. succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just those lessons have, yeah, that's, that's an important one for me. But I think it's just telling me to continue to be patient. I think that's a big one. I've got three kids and my middle child, um, who may kill me if she ever hears this. Um, but So she had a lot of trouble in school. And she, years ago, was diagnosed with ADHD. And I feel like she's brilliant. But when it comes to schoolwork, she struggles. You know, she struggles to pay attention. She struggles to do things the way that other people in the classroom do. But she's got so many other genius qualities that excel. And I feel like watching her process has also taught me to be patient, patient with other people, patient with people's different skills and and learning abilities. And it's made me now have this perspective that schools can be kind of outdated. Like if we look at the school systems now, you know, they're created for kids to conform and to memorize certain things and to regurgitate things. But if we look at 2019, the way that life is, if you need to know something and you Google it, that info is like at your fingertips. So some of the things that they're putting pressure on these kids to learn and that you know, starts to affect their self-esteem because of their grades are things that in today's day and age aren't necessarily a necessity for them to even learn. Right. But anyway, back to you. So if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? If I could have a gigantic billboard, I think that I would want it to say, this is your mess. Mm. This is your message. Because I think we all need a wake-up call, um, no matter, you know, what it is. And I think we all would interpret that message to be whatever we were going through, whether it was something in regards to your career or your love life or, you know. So I think that having a big old billboard saying this is your message um, would serve as a wake-up call to all of us to figure out what do you want to do. I love it. I love it. Okay, name one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made. And that could be money, time, energy. One of the most worthwhile investments I've ever made would possibly be some investments in these business groups. Um, I spend a lot of time in them, and I think that in return, I've made some really great connections where people, you know, some of those people are now working for me. So I think that. I've made some really good investments in, you know, social media, but in the right ways. I love that. What impact do you want to have on the world? I want to be a world a changer, a person who definitely starts conversations, a person that allows you to think and question things. And I think that I just want people to know that they can. I think I represent hope for mm-hmm. a lot of people. And so I just want people to try their best um, to accomplish everything and anything that they would want to go after. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? You know, I think just taking the time that I need out for myself 
definitely has helped. Meditation also is something that I'm trying to implement a little bit more into my day-to-day. So I think those are really, you know, things that have helped. What have you become better at saying no to in the past five years? And that could be distractions, invitations, family. I've started saying no to things that I don't want to do. Um, I realize those things take me the longest to do because Mm -hmm. I just don't want to do So I've started just really evaluating the things that I don't want to do and trying to say no. I think 95% of the women that I've had on the show have said that. (laughs) I think it's important to understand that it's okay to say no to things that you don't enjoy doing. I love that. Okay. What advice would you give your younger self? I would give my younger self the advice to not be so hard on myself, you know, or, and it's okay to like be lost and not know exactly where I want to be. A lot of the times I think that, you know, we want to figure it out and we want the end result. And again, now I know that everything I went through was to get me where I am today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last but not least, where do you see yourself? Five years from now. Five years from now, I see myself on track to really be a big mogul in, like, the business world. So I really see myself owning several different businesses, managing them, and making them really, really, really powerful. And, you know, something that, like, a household name. Love it, love it, love it. Kalila, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us. I want to thank you for sharing your story with us and leaving us with all of your gems. I truly appreciate you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. (laughs) No problem. And to all of our faith walkers out there, until next time, subscribe to our newsletter at awalkinmystilettos.com and grab one of our personal development books available online everywhere. And if you've received value from today's show, share it with a friend that needs to hear Kalila's testimony. Be sure to screenshot this week's episode and tag us on Instagram at mess in the bottle and at the real bikini smith and continue to walk in your greatness in a manner worthy of your calling <laughs>